0: The Lord knew every single thought in David's mind. He knew exactly where his heart was and where it wasn't. Yet the Lord would not respond right away in David's life. In fact, the Lord allowed David to anguish in his sin for months. This shows us too how hard the human heart can really become and how dull the conscience Can become as well. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. But let's be very warned from our text today. Let's be very warned. The longer we push off the Holy Spirit, then the greater the devastation will be for God to take back what is rightfully his. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. Thankful again that you have chosen to make Live in the Light a part of your day, Uh, and thankful that you've joined us in the middle of this important series looking at the life of David. And today, well, today's a very important message, as God shows his great love for his servant David by coming after him and as we're going to learn from today's message well it's it's not acceptable for us to be lost in sin we're seeing a great God who runs after the people that he loves so much an important message for all of us today right Robbie yeah as you see that the Lord is not okay that David has wandered away in his sin with Bathsheba, one of the great truths of scripture I love so much, Craig, about our God is our God is jealous for our love and he's not okay with halfway and he's not okay with us wandering. In fact, he chases after us to get what is rightfully his, our hearts. Isn't that amazing listeners today here at Live in the Light that the Lord won't let you wander? You try to be a Jonah, you try to run away, you try to be a David and kind of wallow in your sin and a, it's only a matter of time. And might be, take take a little bit as we see with David and with Nathan being sent, but at the end of the day the Lord will have what is rightfully his. So you could have an appointment from God here today. We don't know where you are but God does. And he has you here to speak to you, to get hold of you, to call you, to love you, to woo you because he is jealous for your love. And yeah, it's going to hurt at times but the end result is a restored and revived relationship with the living God. So whatever that takes, it's worth it. And that's what we see today in 2 Samuel 12. So I'm expected, and I pray you are too. Here comes God's word. Get ready. All right, let's go right away to God's word today. And here again is Pastor Robbie with today's message. So Father, here we are again, and I pray in a place of tremendous hunger and longing. In James 4, loved ones, listen so carefully. In James 4, it says... Do you suppose it is written in the scriptures for no purpose when it says of the Lord that he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Oh, hear what the Bible says to you today. Is it for no purpose that the scripture says the Lord God Almighty yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Oh God, I pray today that you gather for yourself, which is yours, that today you gather for yourself, which you purchased by your blood, us, our lives, our affection, our desires, our longings. You took our sin, you made us clean, and you long for everything that is yours within us. You are jealous for our love. That is incredible. That is humbling, but that is right. You deserve our best. You deserve our love. You deserve our glory to you. You deserve our affection because you deserve it all. And so I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you and your authority and your goodness and your light and your love, that you will reach down and you will take hearts, that you will gather again what you have purchased. We are slaves of Jesus Christ for the greatest glory ever and our greatest satisfaction. Oh Lord, forgive our sins. Forgive us from turning from you and running from you and running to sin in the ridiculousness of this world. But in Jesus name, I pray your grace is upon us again. And you long for the love and the affection of your church. Find it here, Lord, find it here. Find it in me and find it among your people today. Every single heart I pray bowed low, desiring for the Lord Jesus Christ to have what is his, all of us. Father, today I pray you will speak. Without a question, without a doubt, you will speak and you will encourage and you will love and you will move. Father, we love you, thank you. Thank you for your grace in a moment, even now. The power of dwelling and the greatest privilege no one on this earth, the gathering of the body of Jesus Christ set apart for your glory. It's an awesome thing. It is such a privilege. And I pray we act, speak, and sing like that is true in our lives. Be glorified today, I pray. Every heart, Lord, I beg you, I beg you. Every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Please find a Bible and turn to um, 2 Samuel chapter 12. And as we do that, we're gonna be wrapping up our series here in the uh, Life of David. And the Life of David series, of course, that could go on for 50 weeks, right? If you wanted it to. And um, so it's kind of sometimes hard to know what to do, and what not to do. Maybe at some other point in our... uh, Church, we'll jump back into the remainder of 2 Samuel, but this is kind of where we are, and this is where we're going to end today as we look at the life of David, which started several months ago and ends here. And I know many of us have been blessed along the process, certainly I have uh, as well. It was Charles Spurgeon who said this God will not allow his children to sin successfully. God will not allow his children to sin successfully. That's the heart of our message today. That is our big idea today. That is our thesis for writers. That is our propositional statement for communicators. In fact, that's such an important statement of truth today. I want us to see it all together. Let's get on the screen here right now. Take a look at this. Because again, this is the point of the message today. As the Lord sends Nathan to confront David, God will not allow his children to sin successfully. Why? Because he loves us too much. He won't let us continue down the path of self-destruction. He reaches for us. He rescues us. He loves us enough to bring us back. It's the same reason any wise, strong, biblical parent will discipline their children. They will discipline their children because they love them too much not to. They love them too much to let them continue down the path of self-centeredness and of self-indulgence and of self-reliance, self-sufficiency, and they show them the air of their children's ways as they allow them to highlight the path of sin that will lead them to pain, misery, and again, self-destruction. Any wise, godly, biblical parent will instruct their children in the ways of the Lord, and one of the ways you do that is by disciplining them because you love them. Then there's our father in heaven, the perfect parent, the perfect father in heaven who guides his children in the ways of himself because that is where we are most blessed, most satisfied, have the most joy. And that is where our lives carry the most meaning. God disciplines those that he loves. God will not allow his children to sin successfully. I wonder, are you here today? Have you been frustrated with God's plan for your life? Have you been impatient with God's will for your life? Have you resented secretly in your heart? you wouldn't say it aloud, but secretly in your heart. Have you resented God's purpose or lack of provision upon your life? Be very, very careful, loved ones. You might actually be resenting the love of God in your life. You might actually be holding bitterness towards God as His perfect plan unfolds upon your heart, your mind, your family, and your life. Be very, very careful because the ways of God are so much different than the ways of man. God knows absolutely what is best for us and his plans will always be so much greater than our own. The very last sentence in 2 Samuel chapter 11 tells us so much of what's to come for us today. And it says, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And this takes us now to 2 Samuel 12. Now, the timing of God is something that you and I will never fully understand. We have to understand here that the Lord had seen every ounce of David's sin, every ounce. The Lord heard every word regarding David's sin with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah. The Lord knew every single thought in David's mind. He knew exactly where his heart was and where it wasn't. Yet the Lord would not respond right away in David's life. In fact, the Lord allowed David to anguish in his sin for months. Again, the insight we have into the period between David's sin with Bathsheba, the murder of Uriah, and then when he's confronted by Nathan, we have Psalm 32 that last week we looked at that revealed to us David was in torment of his soul, the hand of God heavy pressing upon him. His strength was dried up like the heat of summer, it says in Psalm 32. And the Lord allowed him to sit in anguish in his sin and waiting patiently for the right time to confront him, what we may not know between 2 Samuel eleven and 2 Samuel twelve, the period between this time is months. Scholars estimate at least six months, quite possibly twelve months. David had no peace because David had no repentance, and isn't that unconfessed sin? Unconfessed is sin in our lives it eats at us, torments us, it hollows us. It, it empties us again. It causes us to toss and turn when we're lying awake at night and we wake up and we're like, oh no, it's 2.22. And we're sitting there and our minds race on the, on the peace we don't have. We're tossing and turning. Why can't I sleep? Why can't I sleep? I was David and not as many of us as well. This shows us too how hard the human heart can really become and how dull the conscience can become as well, help us, Lord, help us, Lord. You know, if we resist the Holy Spirit for very long, what ends up happening is we end up shutting out his voice and then the conviction of God's spirit in our lives lessens over time. But let's be very warned from our text today, let's be very warned. The longer we push off the Holy Spirit, then the greater the devastation will be for God to take back what is rightfully his. What's the principle here? Galatians 6, God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. We will reap what we sow. And in this case here, David was reaping a hardened heart through his ongoing sin and a lack of repentance. And he'd be pushed and pushed and pushed to the point where the devastation would come in and he would be utterly broken because God loves him so much and God was gonna call him back to himself and not let him stray any longer. There will come a time in our lives as we continue to run away from the Lord, if we are truly his, if we truly belong to him, the Lord will say enough is enough. Enough is enough. And as we turn to 2 Samuel 12, verse one, it's here the Lord said, enough is enough. It is time to confront the hardened heart of David. So this is what we learned today. What does it mean for the Lord to confront a heart in love? How does this work? What does this look like? Why does God do this? This is what we learn today. It takes us to point number one. When it comes to the confrontation of the heart, first of all, in love, the Lord will send. Now, every point today starts with in love because I want you to know this is what it is. This is the love of God. The love of God is in every single point. Some are harder than others, but this is God's love. If God was not loving, he'd let us go. But Because he is loving, he will not let us stray for that long. He will call us back. In love, the Lord will send. Look at verse one now, chapter 12. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. And you see the love of God, even in that first sentence, the Lord sent Nathan to David. You know, the Lord could have stricken David with disease, caused him to die, as he's done in different places in the Old Testament. The Lord could have raised up an army, a foreign army to come against Israel and routed them. And David could have lost his kingdom just like that. God could have done that as he did in other places. But rather what the Lord does is he, he sends his prophet, Nathan. I want you to see there where it says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. There's so much grace and mercy and kindness, even in that one phrase. Notice how the Lord gently, lovingly, yet with conviction, he's pursuing David. He's calling David. And even that is happening right now in this place. The Lord gently, lovingly, but firmly pursues his people to gather the love again that is rightfully his. He does yearn jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us because it's his. And he sends for us because he longs for us. That in my mind is mind-blowing. The fact that the God of the universe, the God who dwells in perfection and incredible mind-blowing glory, who needs nothing, who's completely uh, complete in himself and fully secure and in and, and awesome harmony with the Trinity, that this God wants your love. Unreal, astounding, incredible Can not make sense of it in my heart and mind? Yet this is the God that we serve and the God that we belong to. And the text says, and the Lord sent David. Notice this, it's God who takes the initiative. And isn't that so true? How often our hearts are so prone to wander. Our hearts are so failing. Our hearts can be so disloyal to the Lord. And yet there is God again and again, seeking out again our love for him. And just think about this, for every person that is here right now and you are saved in Jesus Christ, think about God's initiative in your life. Let's look at the gospel. Think of how God initiated his love upon you, starting with he chose you before the foundation of the world. Before the world was even formed, you were picked out on his heart that you might be chosen, that he would put his spirit to dwell in you, that he would regenerate you, that he would reconcile you to himself, that he would redeem you, that he would save you, that he would seal you with the power of the Holy Spirit, that he would guarantee you as his child and that you are his possession forever, that he would secure a place for you in glory and a mansion that awaits you right now. He, 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 he did everything. He's responsible for every part of your and mine salvation if we are saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. We did nothing. He did everything. He took the initiative. And that's why he pursues our spirits and our love because he is worthy of our greatest praise. This is the power of the gospel unfolding within our lives. And when he has made us his own, he will not settle for anything less than us being his own. So so you can try to run. Run. And you can try to hide and you can try to soak in your sin, but it's only a matter of time that he will send for our hearts because he will never let us go. It's amazing what we try to do with God sometimes when someone comes to our house and we don't wanna answer the door for whatever reason, we don't wanna talk to the person. Maybe someone who's got some kind of advertising trying to sell us something, or maybe it's something we just don't like. And what do we do? We lock the doors. We we'll often close the window blinds. Turn out the lights, turn out the lights. Turn out the lights. And as we run downstairs into the basement, we're like, don't, don't, no, no, don't, no. don't. Don't enter the door, kids, don't enter the door. And we're sitting there hiding and hiding. And there we are, we are. And we do that with God sometimes, don't we? Here comes God, here comes God. We we'll lock the doors. Close the window blinds. Don't no, turn out the lights. Let's go to the basement, let's hide. Here comes God, here comes God. I don't want him to find us. Listen, God will find his way in. He will, he will do whatever it takes to get through to us because he knows what's best for us. Some of you are here right now, and this is exactly what the Lord is doing through this message right now. He is seeking to get through all the barriers you've put up because his love will not be stopped and his grace will not be quenched. And he desires again to have what is rightfully his. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. Nathan is God's messenger of love. Isn't it so true? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. David would be sent as one of the greatest instruments of truth and grace that David has ever known. Are we able to look at the faithful wounds of true friends? Flattery is not friendship, loved ones. If you surround yourself with people who just make you feel better about yourself, that's not true friendship. Grace and truth is friendship. Those who are willing by the hand of the Lord in love to bring us faithful wounds that we might hear what God has to say for us grace and truth and friendship. This would be one of the greatest turning points of David's life ever in this chapter right here. Why? Because in love, the Lord will send. He will send to confront us in our sin because he loves us so much. Number two, when it comes to confrontation of the heart, the love, in love, the Lord will speak. He will send because he wants to speak. Look at the second half of verse one now. So Nathan came to David and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up and it grew up with him. He noticed the tenderness of this little lamb to this poor man. It grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. The footnote of my Bible says his bosom. This lamb was so dear to him and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or her to prepare for the guest who would come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Verse five. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold. Why did David say that? Because he knew the law. And the law of Moses says, you steal the lamb, you restore it fourfold. It's amazing how much of the law David knew in his head, but at this point it had not reached his heart. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Verse seven. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. That that has gotta be one of the top moments in scripture of wanting to see what was happening in that situation. Live in the text as you live in the text and imagine what this was like. First of all, I want you to notice this, the courage and the boldness of Nathan. Here he is sent by the Lord one-on-one with the king with the message of tremendous confrontation. Nathan, without a doubt, has been commissioned with the hardest message of the king's life so far. That is not an easy task. But notice the wisdom that God gives to Nathan as he approaches David with a story, with a parable. But David doesn't realize it's a story or a parable. We think David is taking it for the real thing by the way that he responds. So notice, notice God's wisdom through Nathan here. It's a parable of a sheep. Now, why is that important? Well, David, of course, used to be a shepherd. When he hears about the tender affection of this little ewe lamb, David would think back to his days in the pasture when he was a nobody and there he was protecting his sheep and guarding them. He would fully, fully understand. This is appealing to David's sympathy, his affection and his compassion. This parable again, David likely takes for an actual event because of the anger with which he demonstrates. It's like he sees this as an actual event under his rule and he responds with a righteous indignation or an indignation nonetheless. Notice in this parable, this is something that brings David's defenses down. God uses it to get David to feel, to get David to insert himself in the story. It makes him vulnerable. Really, it's a brilliant strategy of God because God tends to be pretty smart, huh? And so God uses this parable and David, without knowing it, he puts his heart on the table and it's about to be confronted with grace and truth. The bait was on the hook and David bit on it hard. And let's just make sure we're on the same page of what's happening within this parable spoken by Nathan. Some of us understand right now, some of us maybe don't. The parable contains the following. The rich man equals David. The poor man equals Uriah. The little lamb equals Bathsheba. And the traveler, the traveler represents the lust of David coming to him in a form of temptation to take his heart away from where it should be. Notice David in his blindness, because this is what sin does to us. Sin blinds us. David in his blindness doesn't see any of this. He's not putting the things together. Maybe he's been as hard, heart has been hardened over enough time. He just, he's not making any sense of this. David doesn't see himself in the story. David sees a rich man that deserves to die for his crime. So let's just stop right here, time out for a second. And let's learn a bunch right now of where David is and where we will find ourselves as well if we are not careful in the process of unconfessional sin. Warren Wiersbe says this, of all blindness, listen and learn, loved ones, learn. Of all blindness, the worst kind is that which makes us blind to ourselves. Of all the blindness we can have, the worst kind is that which makes us blind to ourselves. Joseph Butler said this, many men seem perfect strangers to their own character. Isn't that so true? We see all the evidences of sin in others. But when it comes to ourselves, we are perfectly strangers to the reality of the character that lives within us. It's so easy to feel tremendous conviction about the people around us. But when it comes to ourselves, we can often be so clueless. Isn't this exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter seven, the speck versus the log? You are not to judge. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? but you miss the log that is in your own, that is David. I've done this before. I want to do it again. One, because it's fun. And two, because it's very helpful. Okay. The speck versus the log. Okay. This is the guy with the log in his eye. Okay. When Jesus says this, this is what the people are imagining something like this and walking around saying, Hey, look at the sin in your eye. Look at the sin. Oh, what is that? Oh, sorry. That's my log in my eye. But look at the sin in your eye. Look at the sin. Look how terrible you are. And meanwhile, you're walking around like this and you look like the biggest fool on earth. That's what pride does. to us. It blinds us to our own blindness. We're so easily able to see the sins of others, but so often fail to see the sin in ourselves. Learn right here, learn right here. When we become distant from God, we fail to have true spiritual discernment. When unconfessed sin grows in our lives, our wisdom goes down, 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 down. This is what was happening to David. Incredibly here in this text, David sentences the man. And as he sentences the man without knowing it, he sentences himself. In this incredible moment here where David is greatly unguarded and vulnerable, what happens here is the plan has worked perfectly because God was the one who came up with the plan. And as David makes himself incredibly vulnerable, Nathan now pulls out the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God, which judges the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And as Nathan pulls out the sword of the Spirit, he is about to pierce David between soul and spirit, Hebrews 4. And with four words, he will absolutely decimate David in the love of God. Four words that will never be forgotten You are the man. Let me ask you, what did David's face look like in that moment? What did he do? Seemingly, he said nothing at that point. Did his mouth just draw open? Did his eyes go huge and wide? Was there a tremendous sense of awkwardness? Was the conviction so apparent that the blood drained from his face? You are the man. Just look at what the Lord does in love. Weeks and months of hardening of heart. And in one moment of Holy Spirit conviction through the word of God, four words and bam and done. David's heart now has been cut. David's heart now surgery has been performed on it. Listen, when the Lord wants to speak, he will be heard. And when the Lord wants to speak in our lives, oh, I pray we would have ears that we would have ears to listen right here in David's life is a defining moment. When he is confronted with his sin, what will he do? If he turns in pride he will be greatly opposed by the Lord but in that moment the opportunity for humility to humble myself under God's hand and to know and experience the grace of God again when God confronts us in our sin the way we respond determines the direction of our life from that point forward a defining moment for David's life because the Lord loves him so much he sends someone to him he loves him so much he speaks to him and his sin.
1: Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again, or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. You can also write us at any time in Canada at 500 Great Lakes Boulevard, Oakville, Ontario, Canada, L6L 6X9. Have you been challenged or encouraged recently by something that you heard on this program? This is your opportunity to step forward and give so someone else can be encouraged like you have been. You can give to Live in the Light online at liveinthelight.ca or by calling us at 844-225-4448. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening today. Join us next time on Live in the Light.